0: That as is moderator for tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Well, I hate to burst your bubble, but bubbles are made for bursting. It's high noon for Thursday, July 8th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Getter and Gab at I'm your moderator and the merch site is www.cancelkotour.com. Com. Today is the 169th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth, that's Hunter Biden. So congratulations commies. You manufactured a way to continue the belief that you are very smart and very informed and very moral just by making sure that no one else could ever say anything to you. But the problem is that doesn't work in the real world it only works in a covid lockdown where you can exist entirely on a censored internet that prevents you from ever having to see the no-no words or ever having to deal with the no-no people it didn't work commies sorry but nonetheless i would love to extend a warm thursday high noon welcome to all the redeemable communists out there Hello, commies! We all see you. We know what you did. We know what you said. We know what you thought. But all of us would still like to accept you back into America so long as you are ready to return. And the way to return is to simply migrate back by abandoning all of the very stupid and evil child-brained communist ideas you continue to hold despite mountains and mountains of evidence that everything you think and say is wrong. And I know that hurts your little feelings. You think, there's no way that can be true. I'm just listening to the experts. I'm just letting the smart people tell me what to think. And that feels like the right approach, doesn't it? Except you can't really abandon your thinking even to the experts. Why? Because all it would take is the experts deciding that for their own benefit, they are more than happy to lie to you. And it turns out that's what they've been doing now for decades. Does it suck to finally come to that understanding and accept it? Well, yes, I suppose it does because it requires you to admit that you were wrong and misled. But the thing is, That's what I've done, and that's what so many other people have done, okay? The cultural forces existed to construct a false reality around us and to convince us that there was nothing false about that reality. It was the real world as far as we knew it, and we never had to think otherwise because we are comfortable. The reality never came to our doorstep. But it turns out in the last five years, there have been some major events that would thrust that reality right into our faces if only we would accept it. And for me, you know, I was already leaving the Democrat Party behind because of political correctness, their obvious aversion to factual reality, the fake impeachments, the lies about the Russia hoax. All of that. I was almost all the way there, but I still wasn't a Trump supporter until last year. When COVID started, and just by simply following the actual data, people who are doing actual data work. And talking about how viruses work. I realized that, wait a second, what the government is doing and what we're being told, these policies These restrictions, these aren't aimed at saving real people's lives. They're just telling us a story and trying to keep us under control. And I simply started to listen to Donald Trump's press conferences. And I realized very quickly that everything he was saying was actually right because it was a series of conclusions that I had already come to from my own study. It wasn't that Donald Trump said something and I had the thought, oh, Donald Trump is my hero now. I'll believe him. I know, commie, that's what you think about everybody in the red hats. They just all do whatever Trump says. Wrong, commie, wrong. We come to our own beliefs and Trump happens to come to the same beliefs. If I realize something is right and then Trump says it in a press conference, that doesn't then become me listening to Trump. That becomes Trump agreeing with what I already know to be true. And if Trump is saying the things that I already know to be true, then I can trust that he actually knows what's going on. Unlike. Nazi doctor Anthony Fauci, we talked about Earlier this week, I played a clip of Anthony Fauci discussing how if you were in an area that had low vaccine prevalence, it would be a good idea for you to wear a mask around other people. He didn't indicate whether or not those people might be vaccinated or whether or not anyone at all actually had COVID. Of course not. He's just concerned about the prevalence of vaccines, and if there aren't enough people who have taken the vaccine in an area, that's considered a danger zone. Highway to the unvaccinated area, yeah. Scary down there, down that highway. It's more like a highway to hell. Okay, now I'm pressing it. I under I understand, but. Nazi Dr. Anthony Fauci said in that clip that it doesn't actually matter if you're vaccinated or not. Even if you're fully vaccinated, if you are in an area of low vaccine prevalence, then you might want to mask up at your events, even though masks don't do anything. And, you know, he was worried that even with your vaccine as very effective as they are, it would still be possible to contract the Delta variant, though hopefully you wouldn't get too sick because of your vaccine. That Delta variant is a very, very scary variant. But let's see what NDAF said yesterday. question is, if you get vaccinated, are you protected? And the answer is, next slide, as shown on this uh, study, uh, this uh, story from the New York Times, The world is understandably worried about the Delta virus variant, but studies showed, as I've showed you on the previous four or five slides, that the vaccines indeed are effective against it. Now, wait a second. Just a couple of days ago, he warned the fully vaccinated to wear masks because of the very scary variant. Now he's saying that vaccines are very effective against the very scary variant. So you need to get the vaccine. And then later on, you know, if you need to mask up just for that added level of safety, you know, you add zero to something and it doesn't actually increase the safety, but it does add a level. But the, th- the thing here is, why is a man who says that he is the science? referencing a New York Times article to prove that the vaccine is very effective. Right? Isn't that crazy? He is turning his attention to a New York Times summary of studies to say that the vaccine is effective against the Delta variant, the very scary variant. Anthony Fauci, right? The president's, like lead medical director or whatever he's called now. The career bureaucrat who has served as the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases is actually trying to scrape prestige off the New York Times because he needs more gravitas. That's how far... Nazi doctor Anthony Fauci has fallen. The only conclusion one can reasonably come to from looking what I've told you over the last few minutes is please get vaccinated. It will protect you against the surging of the Delta variant. Oh, no, the Delta variant. It's surging. The very scary surge of the very scary variant should be very scary to everyone, which means you need to go get the very effective vaccine. That is also very safe and doesn't kill anyone except for those 6,000 people, you know, and if the statistics are right and only about five to six percent of the covid deaths are actually purely from covid. I guess that would mean out of 600,000 deaths, only really 30 to 36,000 of them were from COVID. And that's over, what, 18 months. And the vaccine hasn't been around for nearly that long. But that's already killed 6,000. And that number continues to rise all the time. So in terms of very dangerous, which one should we take, Anthony? Which one did the New York Times say? Can you look that up for me, Nazi doctor Anthony Fauci? Uh, And how many people under the age of 70, have died from COVID. You know, the pure stuff. Just COVID. Not COVID while having a motorcycle crash. Not COVID while having a heart attack. Just COVID. How many of you got there under 70? Because you're telling children to get vaccinated, even though we know it causes heart inflammation. And even though we know people that age can totally die from the vaccine, even though there's absolutely no chance they could ever die from COVID. So why are you still trying to get everybody to take this vaccine that you say works very, very well, but not well enough to stop using a mask that doesn't work at all? Got it? Makes sense, right? I explained the whole thing. Now you're like, oh, yeah, totally. That makes sense. This guy, man, this guy, Anthony Fauci, he just makes sense all the time. As long as you don't put any of his statements next to any of his other statements. And you know what's a little disconcerting about Anthony Fauci's very safe and very effective vaccine against the very scary variant is that the Delta variant is no longer the only very scary variant. On Monday, I noted that the New York Post had a report about the Lambda variant because they are just making their way through the Greek alphabet right now. It's kind of like uh, hurricane season. They just keep naming them Greek letters instead of, you know, normal human names. I wonder, though, once we get past Omega, whether we'll just start naming them the same way we name tropical storms. We're going to have like the uh, Thaddeus variant or perhaps Greg. (laughs) Yeah, I came down with a case of the Greg. You know, I got that Greg variant. Thought I was all good with the uh, full vaccination, but here comes Greg. (laughs) Oh my God, this is so stupid. But it's actually stupider than that. So yesterday, Fauci is reassuring everyone that the very safe, very effective vaccine works very, very well against the very scary variant. Got it? But he's at least one variant behind, right? Because now we have Lambda, and that has to be very scarier. But the thing is, yesterday in the evening... The New York Post came out with another very scary variant, and this one, naturally, is called Epsilon, and I've put these two headlines right next to one another in the info stream, t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can go look at this. It's incredible. Two days apart, and they have introduced two new variants, neither of which is the very scary Delta variant. In literally four days' time, we've gone from the very scary Delta, Delta variant to the very scary Lambda variant to the very scary Epsilon variant. I wonder if this pattern, this process, is going to pick up speed even further. Like, we could be at Omega by next Tuesday. They're just going to come up with a new variant each day from another very exotic place around the world. And the variant will be very scary because otherwise it wouldn't be a variant. It would just be regular old COVID. Oh, it's COVID is very slightly different. Oh, that's interesting. Does the vaccine still not work against it? Oh, it doesn't. Okay, cool. Are they still going to say that the vaccine works against it? Yes. Got it. But first, they're going to say that the vaccine doesn't work just like these New York Post headlines, right? Mondays, fears arise that Lambda COVID-19 variant from Peru may be resistant to vaccines. That's Monday. Wednesday, California Epsilon strain of COVID-19 could evade vaccine, study says. And let's see what the very astute science writers at the New York Post have to say about The very scary variant, very scary variant number three this week. A new study has found that COVID-19 vaccines may be somewhat vulnerable to the California Epsilon strain of the virus. The variant has three spike protein mutations it uses to weaken current vaccines by up to 70%. Oh, it got an upgrade. Now it's able to weaken the vaccine. Really? That is, that's amazing. According to researchers from University of Washington and the San Francisco-based lab, Ver V-I-R, Biotechnology. And what does Ver Technology do? Oh, well, they have an antibody treatment for COVID-19. I wonder if it's To their benefit to show that the vaccines are not entirely effective against variants. Huh. I wonder if they have statements about their antibodies working against all the variants. This is from the investment website, The Motley Fool. In in vitro studies, quote, it retains activity against all known variants of concern, including the emerging variant from India. Skangos said regarding their drug, Sotrovimab. And Skangos, there is George Skangos, their CEO. They also say that the data show Sotrovimab maintaining activity against the Brazilian, California, India, New York, South Africa, and UK variants. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) congratulations guys so the vaccine might not work according to your study but your antibody treatment definitely does got it so totally reliable information here now it's funny that there's a california variant because they are the most likely people in this country to just reapply restrictions to themselves. Even if Gavin doesn't do it himself, the citizenry of California will go mask up on their own and then try to shame everyone else into doing the same thing. And they'll eventually get that high enough and hopefully shame one another into staying home all the time. That's for sure the goal. Let's not kid ourselves. And ultimately, they're going to have to convince some dumbass commie state in this country to start doing that if they want to try to lock down the rest of the states again. You have to think at this point, they're just throwing variants against the wall and hoping that something sticks. They're hoping that some very scary variant becomes very scary enough that a whole bunch of child-brained communists will successfully lead the country back into ruin, just as we were last year. Remember, according to the plan, the global reset agenda and all of the scenarios they played out, we are still supposed to be locked down right now. In fact, we are supposed to be leaning into the lockdown so much that we create a new normal that we all expect to be isolated creatures for. The future for forever, really, if they get what they want, because how do you stop them once they have censored everything, once they keep us in our homes, once the society agrees that it's okay to send government agents door to door to stick an experimental gene therapy in the arms of the citizens? Imagine they had actually gotten what they wanted and that Donald Trump wasn't in there to stop that plan and to ruin their plan this is why we see them going so insane right now and i'm not sure if i've shared this before but i often toy with the idea that operation warp speed the name is you know obviously related to the speed at which they developed the vaccine but people have implied uh, uh, other meanings to Operation Warp Speed. What really is Operation Warp Speed? And part of me thinks that Operation Warp Speed was Trump forcing their hand, forcing this undeniable acceleration of all of their worst plans, right? He has put them in position where they have to do all of this totalitarian bullshit like in a much more condensed environment. Remember, Hillary was supposed to win in 2016. So just Trump winning put their plan on hold for four years, right? And now they're frantically trying to make up for all the things that Trump slowed down. They thought the pandemic was sure to do that. And, you know, they're going to try the same thing with the cyber pandemic that Klaus Schwab is always talking about. They're running a simulation of it at something called Cyber Polygon 2021. And all of this is quite obviously little more than a quest for control and domination. And so I wonder if the warp speed isn't the pace of change that they would have to successfully put over on society to catch back up with their plan. And at that pace of change, the plan is going to become obvious to everyone as it is doing now. You know, I talked yesterday about how concerning it is that they are planning to go door to door, but I'm not entirely convinced that's actually going to happen. Right. We also discussed things like vaccine passports. And not only has that not happened, I mean, I guess you could say in some sense that they have it in New York and maybe a couple other places around the country. But by and large, that idea has been wholly unsuccessful. They wanted it all across the country, right? Let's not kid ourselves. It sucks that they're successful anywhere with this stuff, but they have the power to to put this over on people in the communist states. And what we've seen is a pretty substantial backlash to that, to the point where certain governors have just declared it off limits. The conversation is not even happening anymore. So I wouldn't be surprised if this plan went the same direction. I mean, remember. Joe Biden declared that he expected to have 70 percent of the country fully vaccinated by July 4th or else he wouldn't allow us to have our cookouts. And, of course, that plan failed spectacularly and everybody nonetheless went out and did whatever they wanted. Joe Biden even threw what his people apparently call a party at the White House. A whopping 10,000 people watched it on YouTube. And 10,000 people watching a live presidential event is something that happens within the first 30 seconds of a link to a Trump event being posted for the first time. Trump could be four hours from taking the stage and there would still be 10,000 plus people with a window open in their browser For that live event to start like yesterday's press conference was, I think, almost 200,000 people watching at one point on RSBN's Rumble page. That's substantial. A press conference in the middle of the day and Trump gets 15 to 20 times what Joe Biden got for his very spectacular Fourth of July spectacular. But Biden's plan didn't work at all. And the threat about canceling 4th of July was ignored by everyone. H.R. 1 hasn't worked at all. Immigration has been a disaster. The quote unquote Biden agenda. Has. Almost completely been falling apart like this fake presidency so far, if you were to judge it as a real presidency based on what. The president's goals were this has been an abject failure. It is a disaster. And Democrats understand that as well, or at least they are coming to understand it. Again, you got to remember, most of these people who pretend to be very politically engaged are actually not politically engaged at all. Most of them turned it off completely. Once Joe Biden was fake inaugurated. And. The level of attention they have paid to politics since then is more or less reading the headlines that pop up on their Apple News notifications and occasionally reading some of those articles. That is not what being informed looks like. So those people probably think that Joe Biden's still doing a very good job. But no one that knows anything about politics on either side thinks that Joe Biden Has been effective. He has not. It is a disaster. It is an embarrassment. And to pretend that this isn't embarrassing across the entire world is only a result of a certain type of liberal having their head that far up their ass. Again, you got to understand these are the sorts of people who will express political opinions based on what they think an imaginary Frenchman might think of them. They want to be seen as displaying high culture or high intellect or high education when they have none of those three. Why would you need to prove yourself to an imaginary Frenchman if you actually had the confidence gained by actually knowing what you're talking about? I would love to meet they're imaginary Frenchmen. And I guarantee that their imaginary Frenchmen would like me better than them. <laughs> and that would be such a disappointment for the commies. Hey, Frenchmen, why do you like them? I was told my view was sophisticated. <laughs> it's not commie. Wrong again, commie. Your view is not sophisticated. Tommy, (laughs) your view is not sophisticated, and it is only shared by other people whose entire education consists of reading headlines that they are consistently supplied by a news aggregator that has the same exact goals as the rest of our CCP-captured elite institutions. Sorry. Sorry. But let's check out more COVID-related communism.
1: I wonder if you can answer that criticism. It's none of the government's business knowing who has or hasn't been vaccinated. What do you say?
2: Brianna, uh, perhaps uh, we should point out that the federal government has had to spend trillions of dollars to try to keep Americans alive during this pandemic. So it is absolutely the government's business. It is taxpayers' business if we have to continue to spend money to try to keep people from contracting COVID and helping reopen the economy. And so it is our business to try to make sure Americans can prosper, Americans can freely associate And knocking on a door has never been against the law. You don't have to answer, but we hope you do, because if you haven't been vaccinated, we can help help dispel some of those rumors that you've heard and hopefully get you vaccinated.
0: All right. You got that. That is Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra on CNN. And he is now making the argument that because the government has invested a substantial amount of money in their so-called COVID response that their investment dictates to Americans that now the government must be fully informed about each individual's health status as it relates to whether or not they have allowed themselves to be injected with an experimental gene therapy. That's the argument he just made. So if you were to play that out, They can basically use that argument for everything, right? Anything that the government has invested a substantial amount of money in, no matter whether or not they did it in intelligent ways or totally ineffective ways, no matter whether or not the investment is made in an attempt to solve a real problem or one that they have largely fabricated, they get to exercise and undo an unconstitutional degree of control over the citizenry, just based on the fact that they invested the money. Now, the trillions he's talking about are probably approaching ten trillion at this point, and that doesn't account, of course, for all of the businesses that they destroyed, the livelihoods that they have destroyed, the external, like knock-on medical effects that they have caused due to lockdowns, due to hospital closures, doesn't account for that stuff. This is just their COVID relief packages, you know, the money spent on vaccines and vaccine programs, the money they have spent on propagandizing the American public through celebrities and outreach programs. He's saying that they are allowed and should be expected to go to, Go door to door because they have apparently a financial interest in whether or not you've been vaccinated because you not getting vaccinated is forcing the government to spend taxpayer dollars on solving the problem of you not being vaccinated. Now, you not being vaccinated is, in fact, no problem. And the disease was disappearing regardless of of vaccination status, and that's even according to the totally falsified PCR tests. But you can hear him trying to create a justification for what everyone pretty much knows on its face is wrong, right? This is just another extraordinary government overreach, and he's trying to claim that the government is allowed to do it simply because they've invested money in what they consider a problem.
1: There are experts. Listen, we hear pleas from President Biden telling people to get vaccinated, but what we're seeing is a decline in vaccinations. And there are folks who say more needs to be done, like Dr. Lena Wen, who in an op-ed for The Washington Post said, quote, that's not nearly enough. Biden needs to get behind proof of vaccination, starting with his own White House events, a gathering touting the United States progress toward independence from the virus should have been the ideal opportunity to make the case for vaccine requirements. It matters for everyone, including the vaccinated. What's your response to that? Having people say, yes, I am vaccinated and and proving it, or at least having them attest to it.
0: Now, she is using Leanna Wen as an example of experts who are pushing for vaccine verification. And she's saying that Joe Biden... Missed this great opportunity at his very popular Fourth of July party to make sure that everybody there was verified as vaccinated. And the expert she's using is Leanna Wen. Leanna Wen is the former president of Planned Parenthood, and now she is a Washington Post columnist and a CNN medical analyst. She is also the crazy woman responsible for this
1: vaccinated, you can do all these things here, all these freedoms that you have, because otherwise people are going to go out and enjoy these freedoms anyway.
0: That was from April 1st. Leanna, Wen was expressing that if the government just allowed everybody to go back to normal life, then they would do that, realize everything is OK and then not get vaccinated. Three plus months on, That's exactly what happened. So I suppose we can be happy with her strong prediction here. But implicit in that prediction was that we would open up and nothing would go wrong and people would realize the vaccine is totally unnecessary. That's exactly what's happened. And she is still pushing the vaccine because she's upset that everyone has just gone back to normal life. And it's as if covid doesn't exist. Why is that? Well, I think you know the answer.
2: Well, there are any number of ways to try to continue to make progress, and the president has demonstrated that he is open to moving in any direction we can to help Americans get safe, be safe, feel safe. And so we'll continue to provide uh, Americans access. We're going to go where you are so that you can get vaccinated, and we'll do everything we can. And what we've done is allowed the states, through our governors, our mayors, and county supervisors, to determine how best to approach people in their neighborhoods.
0: Well, that's so sweet. The states get to make their own choices about how to harass their own citizens. And the expectation here, I imagine, is that the states will be able to do it in a legal way that the federal government could not. Either way, no one should be letting these people in. Don't talk to them. Just Refuse now. One of the other parts of this whole thing is this insane belief that people aren't being vaccinated because they are somehow unable to be vaccinated. What kind of person doesn't know where the CVS is? What kind of person is unable to figure out how to get vaccinated? Like, fine, you can say that there are some elderly people who aren't able to move around a whole lot. And maybe it really would be easier if they wanted to get vaccinated to have someone come to their home and do that. They could simply request that if that was the issue. But that's not the issue. What they want to do is vaccinate people who do not want to be vaccinated. Otherwise, there would be no purpose in this program in the first place.
1: But you're seeing people die disproportionately in places where folks are not vaccinated.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely the case. And perhaps the best story there, the best data point to uh, to really put out there for folks is that today, about ninety nine percent of those who are contracting covid and dying are unvaccinated. And so if you want to stay alive, if you're going to contract covid, and you want to stay alive. Best chance will be if you're vaccinated.
0: I think that the word disproportionately should just be banned. It is unbelievable how every single argument they try to make about everything is that certain people are affected disproportionately. Yeah, that's how life works, except in communism, theoretically, not communism in practice, of course, but theoretically in communism, everyone would be affected the same by everything. The only way for that to actually happen, though, is by everyone already being affected the same about everything. But the claim here is that the people who are most affected by COVID right now are the unvaccinated. But let's also recall that a few weeks ago, the CDC told us that they were no longer going to be uh, testing and recording cases and incidents of COVID unless the person was hospitalized or died from it. So what point are they really making on their entirely falsified and skewed data, which makes absolutely no sense. There is no point. But you just heard Javier Becerra say that if you don't want to die, you need to get vaccinated. If you don't get vaccinated, you are really upping your chances of death. Are they just forgetting about the fact that covid only kills one in a thousand people who get it in the first place, almost all of them over 70 and with multiple other causes of death. Those are the actual statistics. For everyone else, it is far, far lower. We already have an extraordinarily minute chance of dying from COVID, regardless of our vaccine status. And now there are actually reports that the vaccines themselves are what's creating these variants there's a report about that in trial site news from yesterday or maybe it was 2 days ago about the chinese sinovac vaccine and how that is creating variants that are more transmissible and more potent does potent mean they're more likely to kill you no it just means it's more likely to affect you through your vaccine. It's going to break on through to the other side of your vaccine. These people are insane. Stop listening to them. One person who is far less insane is Rand Paul, who yesterday tweeted out that he plans to, when the Senate resumes session, do away with the mask mandates on planes. And that cannot come soon enough for the people who have to travel often, I don't travel often, but the few times I've, I've had to do so and I've had to wear one of those, you know, real masks, aka not my bandana that counts as a mask everywhere, even though it doesn't do anything. When I have to wear one of those masks that actually like covers your face, one of those fake medical masks, that experience is awful. I don't know how anyone deals with that especially all of these so-called essential workers who have had to wear this shit for 15 months now. I genuinely feel for them. But on the other hand, they need to stand the hell up for their own rights or leave those jobs. Now, changing subjects quickly. I should have said this right at the beginning. So yesterday, I discussed reports that the wife of the Haitian president who was assassinated was also herself assassinated, okay? There were initially reports that she had eventually died as well. It turns out she has been transferred to a hospital in Miami and is still alive. So hopefully she experiences a full and speedy recovery and is able to tell the story about what must have been an unimaginable, horrifying tragedy. Now, let's turn to the son so despicable that he is a never-ending supply of awfulness, Hunter Biden. There is a story in the Daily Mail today about Hunter's art. Here is the headline, and this is by Jeff Earle. Revealed the White House helped Hunter Biden reach deal to keep buyers of his paintings listed for up to $500,000 confidential so they could avoid ethics issues. Got that? They realize that there is a problem with Hunter Biden selling $500,000 pieces of art that are clearly worth nowhere near $500,000 to people because they might be buying these works of art As an opportunity to launder money to the Biden family in exchange for political access. So the geniuses inside the Biden White House figured that the way to solve this would be by making it impossible for anyone to know who bought the art. Does that eliminate the chance for money laundering and the purchase of political access to the Bidens? No, It only fixes the problem of other people knowing about it. And that's really the problem, right? It's not the moral issue of a man in political power in the United States selling his office. To the benefit of corporations or foreign adversaries rather than to the benefit of the people of the United States. That's not the problem. Anyone else knowing about it, that's the problem. Let's go to the article. The White House helped broker the deal that would allow buyers of Hunter Biden's paintings to remain confidential. Despite widespread concerns, it could lead to bribery and influence peddling. It was revealed on Thursday. The plan will allow Hunter Biden to forge ahead with his new career as a visual artist after a career change from a high paid consultant on international deals by also shielding him from the identities of those who purchase his pricey works. You got that? The solution is... Not only do you not let the public know, you don't even let Hunter know. (laughs) And that solves everything. Now people can buy his paintings, purchase influence, and so long as Hunter doesn't know who bought them, full plausible deniability. It would actually be impossible for Hunter to be able to sell his dad's political office if he doesn't know who's buying it. That makes sense, right? That is rock solid. There's no other way around such a such an airtight plan. The deal came about after Biden administration staffers reached out to Hunter's lawyers to forge a plan intended to avoid ethics concerns and let the president's son pursue his new career. The idea is to avoid a situation where he knew who was buying his work, so he might be in the position to do them a favor, although it still provides an opportunity for unidentified individuals to shovel large sums to the president's son as he battles high living costs and legal fees, (laughs) high living costs. It's not up to Hunter, of course, how much he spends per month renting houses in Venice and other beach communities. That's something he has no control over. Hunter just simply has high living costs. And to pay for those living costs without, you know, a job that doesn't require selling access to his father, he needs to be selling his art for half a million dollars, even though there is no actual market for his art. Interesting how that works. The whole thing is a really bad idea. Ethics expert Richard Painter told the Washington Post, which revealed new details of the arrangement. So instead of disclosing who is paying outrageous sums for Hunter Biden's artwork so that we could monitor whether the purchasers are gaining access to government, the White House tried to make sure we will never know who they are. That's very disappointing, tweeted ethics expert Walter Schaub. The idea is that even Hunter won't know, but the White House has outsourced government ethics to a private art dealer, we're supposed to trust a merchant in an industry that's fertile ground for money laundering, as well as unknown buyers who could tell Hunter or White House officials. No, thanks. The former director of the Office of Government Ethics in the Obama administration added the terms have been negotiated with Hunter's lawyer as art shows in New York and his home of L.A. approach. Pay attention to what Schaub is saying right there. He notes specifically that fine art is an industry that is fertile ground for money laundering. And of course it is. People can pay outrageous sums in the art world for items that literally no one wants. And then they're able to move that money in a relatively untraceable way, right? They're just paying for art. That's all. It's just like the other day when we were talking about how Hunter pays Joe's bills. Hunter gets money by selling Joe's office. Hunter can't just give Joe the money. That would seem shady. So instead, Hunter figures out things that he can pay for for Joe. Because then he's just helping out a family member. And we don't have to worry about it. That's amazing, isn't it? But we also know that they run the same program with the book deals. Hunter just recently had a multi-million dollar book deal. And his book did not sell to anyone. He sold 11,000 copies in the first couple weeks, despite being on national TV relatively often. That should be more than enough promotion to get a respectable number of copies sold, shouldn't it? I mean, people want to read this, right? That's what the publisher must have realized when they gave him that massive deal. Oh, no, they didn't. They were just executing a payoff as they always are. Got it. That actually makes a lot of sense. So Hunter needs to be selling his artwork in a totally anonymous way to totally anonymous buyers, I should say, because he needs to cover his high cost of living, and his legal fees. And apparently his massive book deal for a book he didn't write wasn't enough to do that. So now he needs to find more ways to rake in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. But don't worry, the fake administration's ethics department is all over it. And they came up with this airtight solution. So problem solved. Now, let's follow up on the Bidens being overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party and the proof and effects of that. This is in today's National Pulse by the great Natalie Winters. The headline is China Was correct. Biden advisor applauds CCP style monitoring and speech control. A top legal advisor to President Joe Biden argued that the Chinese Communist Party's approach to Internet censorship was, quote, largely correct, insisting that the U.S. government must play a large role in the monitoring and speech control on big tech platforms. Harvard Law School professor Jack Goldsmith tapped for the president's exploratory commission on reforming the U.S. Supreme Court argued in an August 2020 Atlantic op-ed that in the debate over freedom versus control of the global network, China was largely correct and the U.S. was wrong. That was a direct quote. Throughout the piece, Goldsmith calls for the U.S. government to play a more active role with internet and social media censorship, appearing to invoke the CCP as a model. The public internet in its first two decades seemed good for open societies and bad for closed ones. But this conventional wisdom turned out to be mostly backwards. China and other authoritarian states became adept at reverse engineering Internet architecture to enhance official control over digital networks in their countries and thus over their populations. Significant monitoring and speech control are inevitable components of a mature and flourishing Internet, and governments must play a large role in these practices to ensure that the Internet is compatible with a society's norms and values. Goldsmith, an alum of the George W. Bush administration, asserts, oh, that's so weird that people in the George W. Bush administration are also global communists. You would have never thought that. What with George H.W. doing so much to expand Chinese power and the Chinese-American relationship, only to our benefit, of course. Goldsmith also praises big tech's handling of COVID-19, which includes the covert installation of tracking programs and censorship of stories promoting the now widely accepted link between the virus and the Wuhan Institute of Virology as demonstrating an enormous public good. Isn't that great? Just another Biden guy doing whatever he can to eliminate freedom of speech. Because freedom of speech is the biggest threat to the illegitimate regime. It's also interesting to note at the beginning of that article, it's mentioned that this same person is on the commission on reforming the U.S. Supreme Court. And by reforming, they mean packing the court. Now, one last commie before we go. And a hat tip to Kyle Becker, who has been doing great work. I post his stuff occasionally on the Telegram. You can find him through there. He caught this gem from former Democrat Communist Party Congresswoman Donna Edwards.
1: Well, and, and Donna Edwards, I mean, this political stalemate on voting rights legislation is because congressional Republicans uh, you know, have blocked it. And the reality is reforming the filibuster doesn't seem like an actual possibility right now with the votes in the Senate. I mean, what what can the president actually do here?
3: Well, you know, for, uh, for Democrats, I mean, it is both a moral crisis of, you know, black voters, minority voters, um, being uh, really shut out of, um, you know, of the process, but it also means that it's a political crisis for Democrats. Um, these rules, these restrictive rules that are being put in place in the states, are um, such that it could really cost Democrat seats in the House and in the Senate. I mean, that is how serious it is. And so I think that uh, there's gonna have to be a level of urgency raised um, by the White House, by the president, um, by the vice president around the country, both an inside and outside strategy uh, that is going to lift up uh, the need to do voting rights, not in a year, not down the line, But right now, and I don't know that I've seen that urgency yet. I hope I will see it coming out of the White House from this meeting uh, today. Uh, But, but, you know, some of these Democrats just have to get on board. And, you know, Republicans are not going to come on board. We know that. And so let's stop existing in that fantasy world and get down to the business of passing legislation that is going to make it um, easier and not more difficult Uh, for voters to cast their votes come
0: uh, the following elections. That is just a gem. She notes that there is a moral crisis afoot by keeping black and brown people away from the polling booth. And her proof of this problem is that States don't want to have ballot harvesting and they do want to have voter I.D. And it is up to us to assume that those priorities actually are somehow racist or somehow affect minorities in a particular way while enhancing the power of the white vote. There is absolutely nothing to that claim whatsoever But she's still happy to make it because otherwise it would be easy to see that the only priority is the second claim she made. And the second claim she made was that if these states are able to put these ballot integrity measures in place, these election integrity measures in place. Then the Democrats are going to have a political crisis. They will lose seats in the House and Senate. Because they will no longer be able to cheat. They built the system up in places like Georgia on the assumption that all of the methods they put in last year for cheating, that they were able to kind of shoehorn into the election process because of covid. They thought that those policies would just stay in there and that they would be able to do those forever, and they could constantly cheat and constantly win in those places. Except election integrity measures are being passed. They're not even strong ones, as I've said many times. Requiring voter ID is a minimal, minimal standard. Disallowing ballot harvesting is a minimal standard. All of these places should put full bans on everything the Democrats tried to push into the process last year based on COVID. There should be no universal mail-in balloting anywhere. And obviously that's a state decision. And we look at communist strongholds like California or Washington state, where they've been doing this for a long time. And you think, well, there's no way a state's ever going to do that. Do we need federal action? No, actually we don't. And we should not push for federal action. What we need is full forensic audits of those states, because if we get full forensic audits of those states, the idea that they are these extraordinary Democrat Communist Party strongholds will go up in smoke. There are actual ways that this stuff can be taken care of through the normal process within these states. But. That requires free and fair elections, which those states refuse to have. There is actually a reason why those states have such loose election standards. They vote them in. These states put these in place. What the Democrat Communist Party wants is for those policies to be applied to all the states and for the federal government to initiate that against the Constitution. The reason they want H.R. 1 passed, as I've said multiple times, is even though it is unconstitutional and would probably eventually be proven as such in the Supreme Court, they still want to get it passed so that they can put all these policies in place and keep them in place until it is successfully challenged in the Supreme Court by the Republicans and that might carry them through 2022 where they can cheat as much as they want put even larger democrat majorities in place and then pack the court if they must or just continue passing measures that makes the election process less and less secure that's the goal understand the goal there is no other goal the goal is cheating there is no moral crisis benefiting their side. The moral crisis at issue here is the permanent end of one person, one vote. The permanent end of the people's voice is what they are after. They are after power that never ends. They can prop up the idea of these two parties, but it is one party, and they split people off onto two different sides so that they can individually market to different voters. Right. That's it. The uniparty and preserving the power of the uniparty. That's what this is about. They are happy to allow some Republicans to win in some places, so long as those Republicans are only so-called Republicans, a.k.a. rhinos, a.k.a. Romney's, a.k.a. uniparty communists. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye.